0: Tonight, I want to share with you just briefly about how to take a city for Christ. I want you to picture the New Testament church. It was a city church involved in an entire community. The Bible would t- when, when the Bible talks about a church, it says, The angel of the church of Ephesus. I write this. He, goes, he talks to each, each church, and he says to the church of Laodicea, he speaks to these churches as if they are a city. Not an individual church, not the Baptists, the Presbyterians, the Assemblies of God, the Nazarenes. He's talking to us as a city. He's talking to us as a community. The city should reflect the church. Instead, the opposite is true. The church reflects the city. See, transformation of an entire city, a region for Christ, that's what was taking place in the New Testament. A city church. I want you tonight to forget everything you know about church. I want you to forget everything you know about everything you've ever experienced, everything you've read about what church is supposed to look like. See, I want you to know this. I've been in in pastoral stuff for, for 30 years. Ten years before that, I was in a pastor's home. My grandfather was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. So I've got 40 years to retrain, reprogram, to rethink what it really looks like. What does the Bible say the church is supposed to really look like? In Isaiah chapter 43, he says this in verse 18, Do not call to mind the former things, or ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth, will you not be aware of it? See, most of us are not aware of what God's doing. Most of us, Because we're so influenced by the enemy, the enemy sets the agenda for how we live, how we breathe, how we move. But really, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be the guiding force. The Bible says that in Him we live, move, and have our being. But instead, the enemy sets the agenda, and we follow right in behind Him. He sets the agenda for our churches. See... Two-thirds of all revivals that are happening and have ever started do not happen in church. They don't happen by pastors. They happen by lay people. The church is the biggest opponent of revival. Waiting for it to happen in your church, you might be waiting for a while. See, it comes from a Latin word which means to live again. In 2 Kings chapter 18, I'm going to read this with with you and I want you to follow along with me. And It says, In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, he smashed the sacred stones, and he cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. Paul makes it clear in the New Testament. If you want to just say, "Okay, well, that was just the Old Testament," well, let me bring you into the, the what Paul says about. It. He says in Ephesians six twelve, "For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms." I want you to understand today, God is calling us to to tear down the high places. You know what? If we want to see our city transformed, the only way we're going to see it happen is when we begin to tear down the high places. Now, the problem is, is a lot of these high places are erected in our churches. See, (laughs) yeah, there you go. See, God wants us to smash these things in our lives. He wants us... To wreck this place. That song we sing, Wreck this place. He's talking about, Start right here with me, God. Wreck what, what I've made of myself. Tear it apart. Because what I want is to be what you want me to be. What I want you to do in this city is not what my agenda is. I want you to wreck this place in the sense of, God, I want you to come and destroy every high place that has been exalted above the knowledge of God. See, He's calling us out of things. He's calling us out of status quo, Springville. He's calling us out of of where we've been in the past, settled. We've always done it this way. Stop it then. We've always done church this way. Stop! See, we've always sinned on Saturday night, and then we've been on church on Sunday morning. See, Hezekiah said this, The only way we're going to see real revival come is if we tear it up. We cut it down and we break it into pieces. Number one is this, we have to tear down In 2 Corinthians 10.4 it says, For the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Revival at its best is an awakening. It's a cleansing. It's a reforming. It's a tearing down. It's a transforming. And then a building up by God. Hezekiah's father was the wicked king He he had instituted all these high places. He took the instruments of the temple and mingled them with the things of other gods. I talked about that several weeks back when I talked about sin mixing. See, that's what's happening in our churches today. 90% of what goes on in our church, God says, I didn't institute that. There must be a tearing down before there can be a building up. The thrust of the demonic must be counteracted with the Spirit. When Jesus established this church, He declared war. He said, On this church, I will build my my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When He said that and when He did that, what He was doing is He was making a, a, a line in the sand that said, Listen, this is what I'm going to do. Now I'm going to wage war against the enemy. The church was destined to wage war against the enemy. Instead, we have joined in forces with Him. See, the church has tried to counsel out those things that can only be cast out. God is calling us to be a church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb, transformed, changed, made new, a new creation. But see, many of us walk around constantly with the enemy controlling everything we do. Believe it or not, he controls things even in the church. Billy, bring that up here for me real quick. I want you to read that for me real quick. This is what it says. False burden. The devil delights in wearing out the saints. The devil, unlike God, will put more upon God's children than they are able to bear. Jesus declared that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. A false burden is heavy to bear and is usually self-assumed. Even a pious burden for souls may be satanically imposed. God has a time and a way as well as a purpose. Blowing with the Spirit takes out all the strain. Many believers need deliverance from false burdens, responsibilities, and compassions, those that are not from God. Mm. See, you know what happens is, we get so caught up in our physical emotions on what's going on around us, that we react constantly to that. And God's saying, listen, what I want you to react to is what's going on in the Spirit realm. Don't worry about these things in the physical. They'll take care of themselves. You know what? That doesn't mean that we don't feed the hungry. That's why we continue to sow into feeding people in this community. That's why we continue to sow into the churches. Yes, we're going to do those things in the physical. We're going to sow into our pastors. But what I'm saying is, is this, is we have to get to a place where we're not totally dominated. The agenda is not set by the enemy. I bet if, if many of you right now would look at your life from even the past week, you can say, I can say it even in my own life. I see where the enemy, he goes, hey, here's, here's what you need to do. And it looked godly. But the enemy says, hey, I'm going to set the agenda for you. Here's where I want you to go. And you know what we do? It's like, a, it's like something in our nose. We just get pulled right along. I'm, I don't want the enemy to set the agenda for us anymore. The Spirit of God is the only one that sets the agenda for us. We walk in rhythm and cadence with heaven. Amen. In Song of Solomon, he described the church, the bride, and what they would look like. And he says this in Song of Solomon 6.10, he says, who is, who is she who looks forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, awesome... As an army of banners. See, it's time that the church of God puts on her combat boots. See, we've settled down. We've been all comfortable. And God's saying, listen, it's time that you give up your programs. It's time you give up your social club. Dancing with the stars. Today in our churches, we love to announce who the big name is who comes to our church. Instead, God says, I'm interested in you being warriors. Yeah. See, two big-name pastors this week I was reading. They said this. They both said this. And I, I, was, I, was, I was shaken to my core when I, they said it. They said, yes, I believe there will be homosexuals in heaven. They want to appease the majority of those out there. See, I disagree with that. If, you've been a, if you were a homosexual that means you were a former homosexual. If you were an alcoholic, that means you were a former alcoholic. When you get saved and sanctified and set apart, you're a new creation in Christ. No longer do you live the way you used to. You know what? I believe that there will be a lot of former drug addicts. I believe there will be a lot of Former prostitutes. I believe there will be a lot of former uh, alcoholics. But I'll tell you right now that the, the kingdom of God, you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you are walking in those things. 1 Corinthians six nine says, wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Sexually immoral, adulterers, men who have sex with men, idolaters, thieves, drunkards, revilers, and swindlers will not be a part of the kingdom of God. See, the enemy has put a smokescreen up for the church. We want to accept everybody. We want everybody to feel comfortable. You don't have to change. Just come on in and listen to the word a little bit, and you'll feel fine. See, that's what was happening back in Hezekiah's time. They had mixed all of their Christian things, all of the religious things, with the world. And Hezekiah says, it's time it stops. He's 25 years old. See, many of us are operating under the influence and in the agenda. Even people in suits and ties and dresses. See, it's not just the ones who we look and go, well, look at that's why they're that's why they're the way they are. they're, They're struggling. No. I'm going to tell you right now that there are many people who walk with suits and ties on who are just as influenced by the enemy as those who are living in the world. We have to get to the place where he he does not set our agenda. The enemy does not set our agenda. Hezekiah took the things, he took the one thing that had saved them in the past. He took the bronze snake that Moses held up. He lifted it up in the desert. Remember the story. It says if they looked upon it, they were being bitten by snakes. And he says he lifted that, that, that bronze snake up on the pole, and if they looked upon it, they would be saved. See, Hezekiah took the one thing that they thought was so powerful, the religious symbol of their day, and he ground it up. He smashed it. See, I will tell you right now, Hezekiah probably wasn't real popular with the the Christian right. Who is so far over there that they think everything has to be this way. He says, you know what, I'm going to pull down those strongholds. I'm going to tear them down. See, we think we can get drunk, dabble, and dance with the devil. We think we can smoke, sniff, and swig, and then come to church on Sunday. It doesn't work that way. See, a stronghold is a fortress. A stronghold is a house of wrong thinking. See, the enemy will encourage us to stay in it. He likes us there. Because we mosey around in that lukewarm state, it feels good. That stronghold, our religious thinking has us off track. We need to break it off of ourselves. We need to tear it up. People must follow and be obedient to the word of the Lord. In Second Chronicles 31, it says, When all this had ended, the Israelites who were there went out to the towns of Judah, they smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles, they destroyed the high places and the altars throughout Judah and Benjamin and in all Ephraim and Manasseh. And, they were, they had destroyed, and when they had destroyed all of them, the Israelites returned to their towns and to their own property. See what he started what Hezekiah started the people grasped and took it with them I can get up here and I can I can I can come against every foul spirit I can come against the enemy I can rebuke it I can I can come against it in the authority that God has given me but you know what you have to take it it has to become yours it has to become something that you possess. Something that you're going to take home with you. And you know what? That you, the first thing you do is you go to your house and you begin to look around and you say, you know what? Is there anything in here that I need to get rid of? Is there anything that needs to be destroyed? Is there anything that needs to be tore out in my life? I can't do it for you. You have to catch it. See, revival isn't taught. It's caught. And it's just the same thing in our lives. When the Spirit of God gets a hold of us, it changes us. It transforms us. It makes us new. It makes us want to live like god godly lives. It wants us to to look more like Jesus every single day. God's calling us to that. He's calling us to take this upon ourselves also. See, in 2 Chronicles 29, Hezekiah was 25 years old. When he became king, the Bible says. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. Now I want you to, you guys are you're going to be kind of thrown off here because I want you to understand that in the book of Kings, the book of Chronicles, and the book of Isaiah, this was such an important story for the Old Testament that it wasn't in just one book. Hezekiah's story was, was moved from, from, from Kings to Chronicles to Isaiah because Isaiah was the prophet that wa- walked along with Hezekiah. So I want you to understand how important this was. And he says as he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. See, we have to open the, open the doors of the temple. And I mean the Spirit of God needs to come in right here. See, revival isn't about a building. Revival is about what you carry with you. Revival is about what you take outside this place. Revival is what happens within you and you carry it with you every place you go. Carry You take, carry it with you when you go to work. See, people see it in her life. They see the transformation. They see revival going on in her. What's different about you? See, Hezekiah contrasts it to his parents. In in verse 7 it says, "...they also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense and present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread, horror, and scorn, as you see with your own eyes." See, Ahaz, his father, had closed the doors to the temple. He had taken the holy things that were in there, and he used them for his own, his own uh, purposes, and he mixed it with the gods, of the gods around them. He closed the doors. But I want you to contrast it to Hezekiah. Just 25 years old says, listen, go open them doors. The first day of the first month, open the doors. First day, first thing we're going to do, we're going to open the doors of the temple. We're going to open the doors of the temple. We're going to open the doors of this temple. We're going to open the doors of this temple. God, I want you to come in here. I want you to have a place to reside. I want you to have a place that you can dwell. I want you to have a place that you can live in me. Open the doors to our heart, make a place for Him. It says in verse 9, this is why our fathers have fallen by the sword, and why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord. This is Hezekiah speaking. The God of Israel, so that His anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before Him and serve Him and minister before Him and to burn incense. See, we have to remove the defilement. We have to consecrate ourselves unto the Lord. It's not enough just to remove. We've also got to come close to Him. See, it's not enough just to turn away, but we have to turn to something. Corporate and individual repentance is what God is calling us to, even in this day. If you want to see your city transformed, you know what? You'll begin to repent for yourself. You'll begin to repent for others. You'll be begin to repent for those things that happened in the past. The Bible says that Abel's that Cain's blood that spoke from the, the ground. It says he cried out, those who have been harmed in the past. See, that's why you see these ladies at times walking around this place. Because we know there was harm done in this facility. There are women who used to work here. They told us about what went on. We have to ask for repentance. Say, God, forgive us. Forgive us for what we've done. Forgive us as a people, corporately and individually. We want to make this right before you so that you're, you can come and you can dwell among us. A renewal of commitment was what Hezekiah was making. Repentance, renewal, we must have them both. Hezekiah calls the priests and he says, Do not be negligent. I'm telling you that today. That is a word of the Lord for you. Do not be negligent. The Bible says that we are going to be a kingdom of priests and kings. So I will tell you today, that word is spoken to us. See, today, preachers of Springville, people of Springville, people, kids of Springville, it's time for us to take the calling that God has placed upon us and walk in it and do as He has asked us to do. Not be negligent. Follow through. He's calling us to a life of prayer. I said last Week, I want your prayer life to be the most radical thing that you ever experience. I want it to transform you, I want it to change the atmosphere around you. That's what happens when revival hits our lives. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 15 says, And when they had assembled their fellow Levites and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord. And the king, as the king had ordered, following the word of the Lord. The priests went into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. They brought out into the courtyard the, of the Lord's temple everything unclean that they had found in the temple of the Lord. The Levites took it and carried it out into the Kidron Valley. They began and consecrate, the consecration on the first day of the first month. And on the eighth day of the month, they reached the portico of the Lord. For eight more days they consecrated the temple of the Lord itself, finishing on the sixteenth day of the month. Then they went in to King Hezekiah and reported, We have purified the entire temple of the Lord. The altar of burnt offering and all of its utensils and the table for setting out the consecrated bread and all its articles. We have prepared and consecrated all the articles King Ahaz removed in his unfaithfulness while he was a king. Now they are in front of the Lord's altar. See, God is calling us to wash, to cleanse, to pray, to sing, to remove, to to be swift about it, but not... Leaving out anything that's necessary. This process of redeeming the land means that we redeem, we restore, and we renew. God is calling us into that place even now over Springville. I want you to redeem it. I want you to restore it. I want you to renew it. That only comes through our prayer. See, redeeming, restoring, and repenting, or redeeming, restoring, renewing, this is the opening of the doors of the temple. Repenting were the sins of the past. Redeeming. Repenting of the sins of the present. Restoring. Transformation and commitment. Renewing. Renewing that covenant. See, they had made a covenant with God at one time. See, David had made those commitments. But as time went on, wicked kings began to rule. And they began to follow those wicked kings. God is saying to us today, I want you to renew your commitment to me. I want you to renew that in this day. Renew that place with me. In 2 Kings verse 18, chapter 18 verse 5 it says, And Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord had been given by Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. See, godly leadership is essential. There was no one like him in all the kings of Judah. We as leaders must follow hard after God. That word there he says, when he says he held fast to the Lord. I've I've talked to you guys about this word before. It's the word debak. And it means to cleave. It's the same word that's used to talk about when, a father, when you leave your father and mother and you cleave to your wife, you cling to your wife. David said this, my soul clings to you in Psalm 63, 8. That's what a man of God has to be in that place. There has to be an adhesion to God. Nothing will satisfy, nothing else will be sufficient. He alone will be the source. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria. He took a contrary position to the world. See, many of our leaders today... Move to the next one, hon. The kings of Israel, I want you to see this. This is the kings of Israel. This is the northern kingdom that was split after Solomon. And you see as you go down there, bad, 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 extra bad, worst, bad, mostly bad... Jehu not good but better than the rest see most leadership today they're happy with being a Jehu someone said to me this week well Jehu he killed, he killed Jezebel ooh that's neat that's good wow what a, what a trophy to put, on your, put on your, in your closet there not good but better than the rest go to the next one the kings of judah bad mostly bad good good bad devilish most good mo- good mostly good mostly good mostly good wicked hezekiah the best and see i want you to see right in the midst of wickedness and the worst is hezekiah see Godly leadership is what it's going to take to be successful in the kingdom of God. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 21, 31, says, Get your horses ready for battle, but it's the Lord who gives victory. See, godly leadership is a must. If your leader marginally loves God, that's going to be imparted to you. If your pastor is lukewarm, you will be lukewarm. See, there were hardly any godly people in the northern kingdom. However, that's why they went into judgment. If you want judgment, follow after an ungodly leader. This area is of supreme importance. Who we sit under. Who we sit under even when we watch Christian television. Who we put ourselves in submission to, it is important. That is who we are going to be measured by. Because you know what? We will only climb as high as a leader who we submit under. See, do you want an event planner or an army general? Do you want a social club developer or an army builder? Do you want a leader who will sit down and have a beer with you or a man who waits upon the Lord for strategy? Do you want a man who will lead you to dinner or lead you into battle? Do you want a man who will powder your bottom or propel you into your future? Do you think, sometimes we think, well, maybe, maybe this guy's been doing it for a long time. I want you to know, Hezekiah was 25 years old. He reigned for 29 years. Manasseh, the next guy, 55 years. 55 years of ungodliness. See, God is not concerned with your seniority in the kingdom. See, all you have to do is go to Matthew, I believe it's chapter 20, and you find out that the kingdom of God is not about your seniority. God is, is concerned with you right now where you're at. You know, you might have been saved for 40 years, but you know what? You've been walking under the influence of the enemy for 39 of them. God's calling us out of that. The next thing is He wants us to cut it off. In 2 Chronicles 32, after after all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. Now I want you to think about this. After all his faithfulness, the king of Assyria comes and invades Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer conquer them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come in and he had intended to wage war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. They gathered a large group of people who blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water? We have to cut off the enemy. See, we have to tear it up, and then we have to. We have to. Oh, I forgot what my another point number two was. Hang on one second there. Did I skip it too fast? On what is it there? <laughs> Open the doors. Open the doors. And number three, we have to cut off the supply to the enemy. See, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're faithful to God, the enemy is going to show up at your front doorstep. In fact, if you're really faithful, he's probably going to be there quick. See, that's what happened to Hezekiah. After all Hezekiah had so faithfully done, the king of Syria came and invaded Judah. He will invade, he will lay siege, he will come and make war against the people of God. But we have to cut him off, starve him out, block his supply lines. How do we do that? We bind, we rebuke, we cast off, we cast out, we cancel the assignments of the enemy in our lives. If there's sin in our lives, we starve it out. We don't feed the beast, we starve him out. Righteous living starves the enemy. Devouring the Word of God starves the enemy. You want to starve the enemy in your life? You want to cut him off? You want to cut off his supply line? See, why should he be able to come right up to your doorstep and then we just feed the water hose out to him? Here, go ahead and feed your horses. Go ahead and water them. Because I want you to stay. I want you to come by here and hang out. No! (laughs) I want him gone! There's a guarantee He's going to show up. So I'm not going to give Him anything. I'm not going to give Him any ammunition in my life. See, if I'm devouring the Word of God, if I'm finding myself in prayer, if I'm living in righteousness, I'm starving Him out. He has no place. He has no foothold in my life. I give Him nothing to eat, nothing to drink. Pretty soon He gets kind of hungry. The enemy feeds upon what we give him to eat and drink. He loves he loves to come in and devour everything we'll allow him to have. All the benefits that are flowing from God, he'll just take those and, and just use them for himself. But see, fasting, that's why we corporately fast. Fasting cuts off the supply. It cuts off the, the, the supply to the enemy. We have to bind together. In Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 12, it says, Also in Judah, the hand of God was upon the people to give them unity of mind to carry out what the king and his officials had ordered, following the Lord Jesus. Following the word of the Lord. We are stronger linked together. We are stronger when we are together. See, there's a principle in the kingdom of God. One can set a thousand to flight. Two can set ten thousand to flight. In the the natural, one times one equals one. But in the kingdom of God, one times one equals ten thousand. See, unity at the Tower of Babel. Unity at the Day of Pentecost. The unity of mind is what allowed them to accomplish what God wanted them to do. That's why I want us to come together. That's why I continue to try to bless the churches. That's why I specifically have us meeting on a Tuesday night. Some people have said, "Why don't you meet on Sunday?" would be, I'd, "I'd come to your church, Greg." I know. But you know what? I want you to be in the church where you're at. I want you to be blessing the church where you're at. I want you, Pastor Mark, I want his church filled. You know, I don't know how many other I don't know how many pastors go and pray for another pastor and say, "Listen, I want your church filled. I marched around his church. I want it filled. I want the glory of God to come upon that place." Pastor Billy, uh, with the youth group in their in their church, I pray around that place. Ron and I have been there. We go there on Sundays. We try to make a, a point to be at every one of the churches because we want to bless them. I want you to understand that I want unity more than I want any. You know, I know that we cannot do this on our own. I need, where I'm weak Billy can be strong where I'm strong, Billy may be weak where Pastor Mark has strengths it might be my weakness so I, I gravitate to that and say, you know what, I'm with you I'm going to build you up I'm going to carry you on my shoulders I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast I'm going to see the move of God come into your, your body see, I know these two guys right here I know they're with us I want you to know that these two guys right here, they're not perfect, but I'll tell you right now, they have come together in unity. You want a good church to go to, Pastor Mark's church is a good place to go. Pastor Billy, good place to go. Guys, I want you to understand that I don't want to be fighting against what the church is doing. But the problem is, you know, Bo says this to me, he goes, Greg, you're kind of hard on the churches at times. I am because I see the foolishness. I mean, these pastors, two of them probably the biggest churches in the United States, made those statements about homosexuality. Now, do I believe there will be those that were came out of that lifestyle? Oh, I believe it. I believe that the heaven's gonna be full of them. I believe that heaven is going to be full of former drunkards. I believe that heaven is going to be full of former prostitutes. I believe that heaven is going to be full of former drug addicts. Because you know what? I am going to continue to contend. I am going to continue to camp out right outside hell's gate. And I'm going to snatch them up. As the enemy tries to bring them in, I'm going to to be yelling out, No, don't go that direction. I refuse the spirit of competition. refuse the spirit of offense. Some today have refused to link up. That's okay. Because I want you to understand today is this. That God is going to bring up... He will raise up... The Bible. The, the, the word of the Lord came to me, it's probably been about six months ago. And the Lord said to me, listen, I can raise up a nation in a day. God can do with His mighty right arm what nothing in this world can be accomplished by men. But I will get myself in position. I will put myself in a place, God, where you can move and you can use me. I'll set my life apart. I will sanctify myself. I will live a godly life. And I will starve out the enemy. I will tear down the strongholds. I will tear down whatever bronze statue has been lifted up in the church that says, oh, keep looking at this. No, tear it down and grind it up. Because the only thing we need to be looking at is Jesus Christ. You want to, you want to see your city come to Christ. Second Chronicles 31, as, he, as we go down through there, he says this. He says, the king, he gave first... He gave out of his own, he gave his, he gave his sacrifice, he gave his tithe. And then it says, the people then began to give. Till there was so much that it was in great heaps. People were blessed so much that there was so much left over that there were piles. And Hezekiah said, let's go, okay, let's go build some storehouses. But let's make sure... The priests are taken care of. Let's make sure their sons are taken care of. Let's make sure their grandkids are taken care of. Let's make sure their families are taken care of. See, when we get a glimpse of what, what God wants to do in our midst, we will see the storehouses begin to fill up because i you know what you know me i am not one of these guys that's going to tell you okay you get you give in that little box and god's going to prosper you and you're going to get uh you give a hundred he's going to give you a thousand no i'm not going to tell you that i'll tell you what you probably give a hundred and you know what tomorrow the enemy's going to try to come in he's going to be right at your front doorstep but you know what you're going to do you're going to starve him out you're going to say i'm not going to give him even one 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 iota right here i the line stops right here god is calling us to Tear down these strongholds, strongholds in our life that have been erected, guys. Tonight, I'm gonna, we're going to close with a worship song. I'm going to turn the lights. Then I just want you tonight. Let this message sink in. I know it's like Ron says. This is probably one of those meat, meaty messages. You're going to get stuck in your teeth. You're going to chew on it for a little bit. I understand that. I'm okay with that. Chew on it. I'm not giving you milk. I'm not powdering your hiney. I want to propel you. I want to propel you into your future. I want to propel you into destiny. I want to propel you into where God wants you to go. That's my heart. I want you to go out and make disciples. I want you to transform your city. I will set you up for success. I will give you everything I can. You know, the Bible says, freely you have received, freely give. I will give you everything that the Lord has imparted into me. Till it feels like I'm, there's nothing left. But I'm going to keep giving it out. And then you know what? We can begin to see our city transformed. Changed. Hallelujah.